Hey guys, welcome to Just a Horror Fan. This is my first episode and today we are going to be diving into and reviewing sort of uh, 1968's Rosemary's Baby directed by Roman Polanski. Um, so this was a very, I want to say obviously it's a classic, it's you know one of those the Exorcist, The Omen, one of those old movies that to me it still works for today and I'm not gonna lie this movie kind of like pissed me off because of I guess I don't know if it was trying to make a commentary on how demanding men were of their wives and how it was very like well I'm the husband and you know you're gonna listen to me because um, you do see a lot of that in this movie and obviously in today's standards you'd be like no like hello stand up for yourself um, but yeah uh, this movie was released in 1968 it stars Mia Farrow and John Cassavetes this was directed by Roman Polanski who obviously does not have the best track record um, he has been charged with I believe he had raped 13 year olds or something like that but he was charged and I believe he's still a fugitive a fugitive in the U.S. that's why he doesn't live here I think he lives in one of those countries where you can't get extradited from the U.S. but anyways if you don't know Roman Polanski was married to a woman named Sharon Tate um they were gonna have a baby together but then she was horribly killed by the Manson family um it was, I believe, the summer of, wait, was it 60 or 69? Uh, I want to say maybe the year after. It was sometime after Rosemary's Baby that she and I believe five of her friends were killed by the Manson family. So, yeah, um, that was his wife. Um, that's the only way that I knew him. I didn't know any of the weird uh, molestation stuff. I just knew that, uh, his wife was killed by the Manson family. But anyway, so Rosemary's Baby. Um, I guess you could say this is the one movie that you don't want to see when you're pregnant. And I am so glad that I chose to see this well after I had my son. Um, cause I remember being pregnant and wanting to see it. And I felt like, oh, well, you know, I'm pregnant. I know it's, I knew it was something about a pregnant woman, something with the devil, something like that along those lines. But then when I, you know, got closer and got more ballsy and was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, let me watch this. It became too real. Like I didn't even put the movie on. I was just like, no, 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 let's not play with that. No, let's just wait until after I give birth. Um, so yeah, this is definitely not a movie that you want to show a pregnant woman or anyone who's thinking about having a baby, because trust me, this will not go over so well. So the movie begins with the credits, because this is one of those older movies that has the credits in the beginning. And in the background, uh, there's this sort of, I want to say it's Mia Farrow. Uh, she's kind of singing this ominous lullaby, kind of. 
all it's really saying is like la 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 but it's just like the it's really dark undertone that is like kind of creepy but you can't really say it's terrifying but it's just it's a weird dark sort of lullaby so we go into the scene where you see a man and a woman they are looking at an apartment so Mia Farrow is playing Rosemary and John Cassavetes is playing Guy their husband and wife excuse me their husband and wife and Guy is actually an actor but he's not some sort of big time actor um he does try to hype up his resume when the apartment manager I guess when he's asking oh well what do you do guy's pretty much like oh I'm an actor and the guy the other guy <laughs> the apartment manager he asks him if he had if he would recognize him from anything and so guy kind of fibs a little bit and then Rosemary is like, no, that's not true. Like, oh, you were in like some radio and some commercials, like nothing too big. So he's pretty much kind of an unsuccessful actor at this point. He's not getting the parts that he wants. He's pretty much playing understudy to a lot of people. And so they look at this huge apartment. Oh, and uh, Rosemary, she's, she doesn't, as far as the movie says, she doesn't do anything. She is pretty much a homemaker. Um, so they're looking at this huge apartment, which in the back of my mind, I'm wondering, how the hell are you paying for this? Like, how is this even in your budget? Because this whole apartment is basically one floor split up into two apartments and they kind of somehow connect. Um, but you kind of find that out later on. So they are touring this apartment and then they notice that the there's like this dresser that's blocking a closet so they end up moving it and it's just a closet with towels but we will come back to that closet trust me so they end up going ahead and getting the apartment but before that happens rosemary has a friend named hutch and hutch warns them not to move into this particular apartment complex I believe it's called the Bradford or the Bramford, something like that. And he warns them not to move in there because there's always been some sort of, you know, dark. It has a dark past of like, you know, killings and witchcraft and suicide, things like that. So her friend Hutch warns them, you know, don't do it, don't move there. But of course, they do it anyways. So then she meets this woman, like, okay, she they go ahead they move all their furniture in but on the first night they do hear some weird chanting through the walls these walls are very very thin then she meets this woman terry in the laundry the basement kind of seconds like as a laundry room laundry facility they're doing laundry and she starts talking to this woman named terry who kind of (laughs) I'm not gonna lie I had to do a double take because I'm like whoa that's that's not Lana Del Rey but this woman looks very you know if you're familiar with Lana Del Rey Del Rey she's you know always has that kind of like 60s vibe towards her so this kind of really reminded me of her so this woman named Terry tells her that she stays with the Cassavette they saved this woman Terry from basically a heroine 
like a heroin addiction and they gave her like you know she stays with them so they give her room and board they kind of treat her like like a daughter that they never had and they give her this really this particular necklace that has this charm like this sort of pendant uh i want to say it was like a sphere or something but it doesn't smell good because there is something called tannis root inside of it and the root itself it kind of stinks like it smells like shit apparently from how all these people are describing it so they meet this one time they talk and they're like oh like you know we should be friends we should do laundry together down here because the basement is kind of creepy so pretty much the next scene is uh guy and rosemary are coming home from a movie or a date of some sort and there's police everywhere out front in the front of their building they learn that terry has committed suicide by jumping out of the window so um rosemary tells the police that she was staying with their neighbors the cassavettes well then we finally get to meet the cassavettes who are minnie and roman and minnie and roman look terrible they look like they are in complete shock like why would she do this like we were treating her as our own and like you know why would someone choose to jump out of a window and Minnie kind of refuses to believe that it was suicide because she's like no she was so happy she must have fell when she was cleaning the windows or something so Minnie and Roman introduce themselves to Guy and Rosemary And Rosemary kind of gives him her condolences and she's like, I am so sorry that, you know, this happened. I met Terry once in the laundry room. She said very nice things about you. And it should be noted that Terry was wearing the necklace, that weird pendant that smelled like shit. It's, she's wearing it like on her dead body. Like it was on her. So they... Guy and Rosemary, that's how they meet Minnie and Roman. So they go back upstairs. And I think the next day, Minnie, she comes by Rose, uh, Rosemary's apartment. And she is very nosy. She wanted to say, like, thank you for, you know, saying such kind things to us yesterday. But she is very, very nosy and kind of annoying. But I can tell Rosemary, she's like one of those people. It's kind of like me. Where it's like you don't want to be rude and be like, uh, like get the fuck out of here. But she's also like, oh, hi. Like, you know, she's just trying to be nice. She's not trying to turn people off of her. So Minnie invites Rosemary and Guy to dinner at their apartment. Well, Guy is actually not really into it. He's like, come on, they're old. Why, why do we want a bunch of old, annoying friends? Like, no, I don't want to go. Well, Rosemary says, it's just going to be a one-time dinner. Like, you know, let's just go for, you know, just to be nice. So they give in. And this dinner kind of puts Guy, like, it definitely makes Guy a little bit closer to Minnie and Roman than you would think. Because after this dinner, he's very interested in them. And... Uh, Rosemary is not feeling the same way. She's like, no, like, we're better off as neighbors. Like, I don't want to open that can of worms. Which is 
to me it sounds reasonable because who wants annoying ass old friends like no you they're already your neighbors you're already having to live right next to each other so you're gonna be bound to bump into each other you don't want these people as friends that's just i don't i wouldn't want that for myself but guy sees it differently um there was a scene where minnie was helping or no i'm sorry rosemary was helping minnie with dishes and guy and roman were like talking but you you can't see them in the scene like they walked away uh from the living room or something in in my head i think that roman was putting ideas into Guy's head saying that, you know, if you do this, you can become famous, you know, you'll get all the riches that you want, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, where am I? So, basically, Guy is more open to being friends with them. He does become friends with them. And... It should be noted, too, that Roman was kind of stroking Guy's ego, saying, like, oh, you must be an actor. Oh, were you that one guy in that one play? And he starts naming off the plays that Guy had been in. And, you know, he basically just starts really stroking his ego, saying, oh, well, I love the way that you did that, and you should be the lead actor, and this, this, and that. And, you know, Guy's feeling all good about himself. He's like, yeah, like, someone's recognizing my talent. And I think that's how Rowan got Guy to get on board with this entire plan. Which, I'll, you know, we'll get into that later. But anyways. Minnie ends up giving Rosemary the necklace that Terry had. I don't think that Minnie realized that um, Rosemary had seen Terry with that necklace. So it does strike her as kind of odd. Like, hmm, like... This is the exact same necklace that Terry had on. And it contains that tannis fruit, that thing that smells like shit inside. So she gives it to her and Guy kind of puts it in her head. Well, you accepted it, so you should wear it. Like that sort of thing. But I'm like, who wants to wear a fucking necklace that smells like shit? Like it's going to be right below your nose. Like you're going to be smelling like that all day. And so I believe the next day happens the next day comes and guy gets a call saying that he has the lead role in the play but the reason why he has this lead role is because he's the understudy of the lead well this lead his name is doug um i forgot his last name but doug ends up having some sort of accident and he goes blind and guy pretty much chalks it up to like i hate that this is the way i got this role but you know oh well like kind of like brushing it off like you know it's no big deal but he's like oh like that sucks that you know that has happened to Doug but he's so happy that he got his lead role and as soon as he hears that he is gonna be in this amazing play as the lead he tells Rosemary that he wants to have a baby well (laughs) They plan on making a whole baby-making night, basically. Just basically a night of them fucking, I guess. So, this night, they, you know, they're eating dinner, whatever. 
So Minnie kind of interrupts and she brings them chocolate mousse or as she calls it in the movie chocolate mouse. <laughs> Minnie's character is so bothersome but she is so funny at sometimes because she's like that old neighbor that's kind of like how do you say it? like they're just like oh like yeah 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 like she has that kind of New York attitude I guess I don't know but it comes off really really funny. Um, so Minnie brings them the chocolate mousse on the baby making night and rosemary and guy you know they're like oh you know thanks this is amazing whatever so guy gives rosemary her chocolate mousse and then he has his minnie starts eating it and she's like oh my gosh this is like so good and she keeps eating it and then she says that she doesn't want it anymore because it has a chalky undertaste and guy is being very insistent that he that she needs to eat it and he's like pretty much making this like sort of a fight like oh like you're just being so rude like why aren't you eating it like he's making it such a big deal that it needs to be and she's just like no like it just doesn't taste good like why don't you eat it and that's where he like you know kind of throws a bitch fit so she ends up pretending to eat it she basically takes most of the chocolate mousse because it's in this like uh this cup kind of and she like just pours it on her napkin in her lap and she like because at this point guy is like behind her but he's like in the kitchen like he's not looking at her so she pours it like all in her napkin in her lap and then like when he comes back to the the table she's like "Mm, like see like i finished it like it's all gone and he's like you know oh that's so good you know sorry if i made a big deal out of it la-di-da um so she is washing dishes this can't be more than like five minutes later she's washing dishes he's watching something on tv and she ends up getting very dizzy and like she's kind of like um stumbling like when she's walking towards the living room like walking towards guy she starts stumbling and he kind of like chalks it up to you like oh you've had so much wine like this is probably the first time that you ate today you know trying to make her think that she's too drunk when in reality it was something in that chocolate mousse or chocolate mouse whatever you want to call it so she gets dizzy and she ends up passing out on the bed and she (laughs) she's having these dreams or hallucinations that really do look like a Lana Del Rey music video that turns into like the worst fucking nightmare I have ever (laughs) I have ever seen so she dreams like you know this beautiful dream at first and it's kind of like her having a baby or whatever like she physically has a baby in her hand and then it turns into Satan raping her and then it's all of the other tenants and the building that are naked and watching including her husband and Minnie because you see the husband like talking to Minnie while they're both naked around all these other naked people and he's like oh she's awake like her eyes are open she's awake and Minnie says no she ate the mousse she's she's knocked out um so yeah it gets really like it's so weird and then you see the i guess the devil like satan whoever uh leaves scratch marks all over her body and she does have them the next day that when she wakes up well 
also i have to say that scene when all the naked people are watching satan rape this woman that kind of <laughs> i'm not gonna lie that kind of reminds me of hereditary and midsummer midsummer especially because of the scene with the redhead and all those fucking naked women just moaning it's it's creepy like there's <laughs> i could not stop thinking about midsummer like that and then hereditary i think in the end when they're in the treehouse or whatever i think there's a bunch of naked people up there too but i could be wrong anyways so she ends up becoming pregnant that's her, okay their last name is castavets not castavets okay so the castavets insists that she goes to this amazing uh oh dr saperstein instead of her OBGYN that she wants to go to dr hill so she tells okay so basically they choose to like everyone else makes these poor woman's choices for her and it that's where it really pisses me off because i'm like you could just say no like just say no i want to go to dr hill like I'm not going to go to your fucking witch doctor. Like, no, leave me alone. Well, anyway, so she ends up going to Dr. Um, Saperstein instead of Dr. Hill. So her friend Hutch, remember the one who warned them about moving into the Brad Bradford, Bradley, whatever they're moving into. Well, so he comes to visit her and he sees that there's something off like he sees like she is losing weight instead of gaining weight and there's like this weird exchange like okay because as soon as hutch comes into you know the apartment because he visits her at her home so then the cast of vets come well only roman he knocks on the door and he's kind of waiting for her to invite him in but she's like i have company would you like to come in like she's like what like there's this weird pause that like okay why are you still standing here like i have company would you like to join us and then he's like oh no like i wouldn't want to impose unless you insist like and she's like yeah sure whatever so i think this is one of the parts where roman really tries to like gauge if this is gonna be like a problem friend if this friend is going to kind of like encourage her to basically use her own voice and like say no I don't want any of this weird shit that y'all want me to do I want to do my own thing so um Roman leaves Hutch is still there as soon as Roman leaves the uh the husband guy he comes home and he sees that you know Hutch is there and he disappears for like a second and then comes back so when it's time for hutch to leave he goes into the closet he gets his coat but he's missing a glove like a hand glove obviously duh (laughs) so he's missing a glove and you know he ends up telling he ends up calling Minnie. no 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 i'm sorry He, he ends up calling um rosemary later that night and he tells that he tells her that he wants to meet up with her because he needs to tell her something in person well the guy basically asks her who was on the phone oh it was hutch like what did he want oh he wants to meet up where when what time and she tells him you know oh he wants to meet here at, you know 11 you know just to talk 
So he's like, oh, okay, I'll be right back. Like, not suspicious at all. <laughs> like, oh, you'll be right back. Like, yeah. And then you can hear, like, very faintly, you can hear the doorbell in the background. Like, he's ringing the doorbell of the cast of it. So I'm like, okay, I know where this movie is going, but I'm still, you know, I'm still in it. I'm still paying attention at this point. So the next morning, Roman, I mean, not Roman, Rosemary, she goes to the meeting spot where she's supposed to meet Hutch. Uh, it looks like she's been stood up by Hutch because Hutch does not show up. As a matter of fact, Minnie ends up showing up. Uh, maybe a, I would assume like an hour or two later. Um, oh, it's fancy seeing you here. I'm going to do some Christmas shopping and, uh, you know, la da 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 And this entire time that she's been pregnant, Minnie has been making her this weird smoothie and she won't tell her exactly what's in it. She just says it's fresh herbs and it's better than, you know, taking capsules or vitamins, anything that you can buy off the store. So... Then, after, I believe, before she runs into Minnie, she calls Hutch. Someone answers, and they say that Hutch has been, something happened, and Hutch is in a coma now. Um, and then after that, that's when she runs into Minnie. Well, Minnie takes her back to the house, and she starts eating what, something that looks like cranberry sauce it's red and it's like that jelly type of texture but the way the camera was looking at it it looked like it wasn't so it was something that she wasn't supposed to be eating like I don't know what they were intending that to be but it looks like cranberry sauce but she was eating it like a like she was starving or something but then later on she um she ends up cooking a steak like, she puts the steak on the pan to sear it. Like, at the max, she seared both sides for, like, three seconds each. And then she cut into it and ate it. Like, the steak was fucking raw. Like, like Gordon Ramsay would say. It's fucking raw. Anyways. So, um, yeah. So, she's eating all this weird shit. She was craving raw meat. And so, she the whole time, she is in so much pain. And Dr. Uh, oh my gosh, what's his name? Sa- Saperstein. I want to say Saperian or something like that. But no, Dr. Saperstein knows that she's in pain and he's like, oh, it's fine. It'll pass. Like, it'll pass in a couple of days. It's been fucking months at this point. And so Rosemary decides to plan a party and she doesn't invite Minnie. She doesn't want anyone that she normally sees, anyone that's basically controlling her. She doesn't want at this party, with the exception of her husband, because at this point, she's still, like, you know, that's her husband, yay, like, she doesn't think of him as one of them. So, she doesn't invite Minnie, but Minnie is very insistent, like, oh, I'll help you cook, oh, I'll collect the coats, or I'll make the drinks, and Rosemary's like, no, 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 I got it, I got it, I got it from here, like, no, like, she's actually saying no, and I'm like, yes like thank god you can actually use that fucking word like just tell everyone no but that doesn't last for long anyways so she ends up planning this party because she hasn't seen her friends in a long time uh she confides in her friends that she in her friends that she is in so much pain and they tell her to get a second opinion 
they said you should go to Dr. Hill. And even some of her friends were like, you don't even have to go to Dr. Hill if you don't want to. Just go get a second opinion. Like, don't listen to this Saperstein guy. Like, no. Who in their right mind would make a woman suffer like this? Like, no. Go see another doctor. Well, she tells Guy. Guy gets fucking furious. He's like, those no good bitches don't know what they're talking about. I don't want them coming around you anymore. Dr. Saperstein knows what, uh, you know, what he's doing. And then she's like, no, I just want a second opinion. She's like, I'm not going to change OBGYNs. I just want a second opinion. This motherfucker guy, he goes, okay, well, if you want a second opinion, at least let Dr. Saperstein choose the doctor that you're going to go to for a second opinion. I'm like, what? Okay, this guy. She, oh my, oh my gosh. I was laughing so hard at that. I'm like, this man wants everything to be so fucking controlled. He is so scared of his wife having just a little bit of fucking freedom that she's going to figure out, you know, you know what they're planning. Oh, let Dr. Saperstein pick who who you're going to go get your second opinion from. No, that's so fucking stupid. And that defeats the point of it. Anyways, so... They're having this argument. She's like, don't you care about what I want? Because he's, like, all worried about Dr. Saperstein's feelings. And she's like, hello, what about my fucking well-being? Like, and then they're having this fucking argument. All of a sudden, the pain stops. The pain that she has been feeling for months, it finally comes to an end. Which, to me, I believe that means that the first trimester is done. And she's on to her second her third trimester. Uh, her second trimester. And, um yeah so the pain ends up stopping she ends up learning that hutch is dead but by the time that she's learned this three months have gone by so we don't it's like a you know kind of like a jump into like three months later something like that but she learns that hutch is dead and she kind of feels bad because she's like i didn't even go see him when he had a stroke or whatever well she goes to the funeral and someone gives her I believe it was like his sister or something. I don't know. But they give her a book that was from Hutch. And she's like, the uh, Hutch told this woman to tell Rosemary that the name is an anagram. And so she, it's this book called They're All Witches or something like that. It's a witch book. And so she's reading this book and she's figuring out certain things. So, she is trying to, like, she gets her Scrabble game, and then she puts out all the letters. She's trying to, you know, figure out what the, this name can possibly mean. And there is a name in there. Oh my gosh, I completely forgot it, and I don't have it in my notes. Son of a bitch. So, in one of these, in that book, the witch, you know, they're all witches or whatever. There's a name of Marco something. Marco something. And she rearranges that name. In that name spells Roman Castavets. So she is convinced that Roman is this witch, you know, witchcraft guy. This, basically this witch. Oh my gosh, what is that? Oh my God. I'm sorry guys, I'm in, my, I'm in my car and like there's a dog and, but I didn't realize that Naples was walking his dog. Oops. So, um, yeah, she ends up finding out that this name in the book 
translates to Roman Castavets, which is the neighbor, obviously. And she believes that, you know, this guy, he's, like, fucking evil. Like, this is why, you know, she has these all, all these bad feelings. And she's, like, putting her foot down. I don't want Minnie here. I don't want Roman here. They're not going to touch my baby. No, no, no. So, Guy is kind of like, no, you need to stop reading this book. Oh, and that's one of the things I didn't even fucking mention. So, Dr. Saperstein, on her first visit, says, don't read. He encourages, he encourages her not to read at all. Don't read books. Like, you're going to learn so much stuff and, you know, no two pregnancies are alike. Which, yeah, I get that no two pregnancies are alike. And you are going to have a different pregnancy than your friends or your family or whatever. But telling this bitch not to read and she listens. Oh, my gosh. I'm so, I'm so dead. I'm, I'm over it. But anyways. So, Guy hides this book from her. And then he ends up throwing it out. And she's like, what? That was for Hutch. Well, she gets another witchcraft book from, like, the library. And she goes to Dr. Hill. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Before this, um, the next day after she uh, reads, you know, after she voices her concerns to Guy, she calls Doug. Now, remember, Doug is the person who had this accident that made him blind. That's how guy got you know his leading role and now he has been taking off in the acting world so she speaks to guy and she learns there's something about a tie apparently guy and doug traded ties but in the witchcraft world you need someone's you need an object like you need someone's clothing or something something that belongs to someone else you need that to cast a spell or a hex, whatever it is. So she learns that guy traded ties with this guy. <laughs> guy traded guy, drag, guy traded ties with this other man, and that's how she puts two and two together. Like, oh my gosh, they have my husband. Like, my husband is involved with this too. At this point, she trusts no one except for Doctor Saperstein. She still hasn't figured that out. So she goes to Dr. Saperstein. She's going to voice all her uh, concerns. And then... Okay, but on her walk... Because she walks to Dr. Saperstein. She ends up throwing away the... um, The necklace, the pendant with the tannis root. The one that smells like shit. She ends up throwing that away. Like in a drain or something. And then... She's in the waiting room. And the receptionist is like oh like you don't smell like shit today I mean, she doesn't say that but she's kind of using those words or she's not using those words but that's basically what she's saying she's like oh you smell so good like you don't smell like you know that fucking tannis root shit and she was like oh it was this necklace it had this weird you know root or herb in it and then so the receptionist says well I wish Dr. Saperstein would take advice from you because sometimes he comes in smelling like that and that clicks in rosemary's mind like oh shit he is one of them too so she runs to dr hill the one that her first OBGYN, and she's telling dr hill all of this stuff and at this point i'm like oh fuck dr hill's in it too well no but dr hill pretty much fucking outs her to Saperstein because she's like oh no I want you to be my doctor like let's go to the hospital now like you know all this stuff 
And he's like, yeah, I'll be right back. And she's like, okay. And she fucking takes a nap and shit. And then she wakes up. Dr. Hill has called Dr. Saperstein and uh, her husband. And the pretty much at this point, the jig is up. They know that she knows. And he, Dr. Saperstein pretty much threatens her. Like, if you say anything more about witchcraft, we're going to put you in a mental hospital. And we will really have control of you then. So, she, they take her back to the house. She kind of uh, escapes from them into the elevator. And she goes up to, the, to her apartment by herself. She locks them out. But, this is where that fucking closet comes into play. Because she doesn't realize that that closet leads to their apartment. That leads to the Castavet's apartment. Well... So she's calling her friend, the one of the friends that she had at her party, and she's like, you know, call me back, you know, it's urgent, they're trying to take me, they're trying to take my baby, you know, stuff like that. Well, then all these people come in out, like, out of nowhere, like, she doesn't realize that, you know, that closet connects, but we, we realize that as the audience. So they're all holding her down, they sedate her, well, she's going into labor right then. Um, she wakes up, I assume, a few days later, and the husband tells, she asks, where's my baby? The husband tells her, he's fine, he's a boy, you know, it's great, you know, get your rest. Well, there's, she basically has, like, a, like, a security guard, kind of, someone always watching her to make sure that she's not doing anything that she's not supposed to. Well... They wake her up, or she wakes up a few days later. Like, after her husband tells her that it's a boy, it's fine. She wakes up another few days later, and Saperstein and her husband tell her that the baby didn't make it, that there's complications. And then fucking Saperstein tries to blame it on her, saying, oh, it's because we didn't deliver at a hospital, it's all because of you. Like, what the fuck? Like, no. So she's like, no, you're lying. You have my baby. Where's my baby? Like, she starts going crazy. Of course, he fucking sedates her again. Um, at this point, they have convinced her that she does not have a child. He, the baby died. But they still have her pumping breast milk. And she asks why they're doing this. Or no, no, no. She doesn't ask why. I think she says one of the ladies that's like supposed to be watching over her she does a shit job first of all um so one of the ladies she you know she's pumping she gets the milk and rosemary asks the lady what do you do with the breast milk this lady she looks like she she just got put on the spot she's like uh we dump it we throw it away so then she rosemary's giving her all her all her um old dishes and stuff and she goes to put a spoon in the breast milk like in the cup of breast milk and the lady the lady's like oh no 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 you don't want to do that and rosemary's like why and she's like uh because it's messy it'll get messy like here i'll just take it bye and so then rosemary can hear a baby crying and she asked her husband did someone move in and he's like oh how'd you know and she's like i hear a baby crying and he's like Oh, yeah, someone someone um, moved in with her baby, you know, stuff like that. But she's smart. She knows that that's her baby. That's not someone else's baby. And so the end kind of... 
I don't know how to feel about it. So she wakes up. No one's in, no one's in her fucking apartment. Everyone's at this other apartment. She, that's when she discovers the closet door. Like when she goes into the closet, she discovers that the back is like a false back. So she pushes through and she realizes it's another entryway to the apartment, to the, the cast of apartment. So she sneaks in, she has a knife and she realizes all of these people. She realizes number one, her baby is alive. The baby is kept in like this gothic looking bassinet with like this upside down cross, but also like I assume it's an upside down cross because it's upside down. But from the baby's viewpoint, I guess it would be right side up. I don't know. Um, It's like this huge black gothic bassinet, like huge canopy. And so everyone kind of like slowly starts recognizing that she's in the room. And she's like, what is Like, what's happening? What are you doing? And they pretty much tell her like, you had Satan's baby. Um, this is like, I guess the, this is the real version of Satan. Like you basically like birthed him, if you could say that. Um, so yeah, she is kind of like torn because Roman Castavets is convincing her, Hey, this is still your baby. You are still the mother. You still need to basically take care of your child. And he tells her that Minnie and the other girl that was like a horrible bodyguard or whatever, they're too old. They don't have that motherly instinct that you do because you bonded with a baby. You know, shit like that. So the woman who lied to her about the breast milk and stuff, she's like viciously rocking this bassinet back and forth trying to get the baby to sleep. And Rosemary's telling her, she's like, you're doing it too fast. That's why he's crying. And she's like, you don't know what you're talking about. And so Roman convinces the other woman, she's like, uh, he convinces the other woman, let Rosemary, you know, take care of her own child. And so the end pretty much ends up being Rosemary. She can't help herself, but to take care of her baby, because in reality, it is still her baby. Like she did create it but also it's fucking satan like or satan's baby i don't know how that works but there was a part when she first saw the baby and she's like what did you do this isn't my son what happened to his eyes and that's when they say oh he has his father's eyes like so i believe it's like the spawn of satan um but the the thing that they did which I agree with is they didn't show the baby. They didn't show this monster baby. And from what I researched is that initially they did, the studios wanted Polanski to show some sort of weird monster creature baby, but he decided against it. And he was like, no, we're not going to show some fucking weird looking baby. He would, I guess he was going for the effect of, You know, it's scarier what you can imagine in your mind versus what I can show you, which I agree with that. But yeah, that's pretty much Rosemary's baby. And it really left me feeling like, damn, like I couldn't, I could not deal with people all up in my fucking business. Like, oh, you should go 
to this doctor. You should drink this every day. Like, no, that, that couldn't be me. And I don't understand how she let it get to a point where other people were controlling her life. That's the part I don't understand. <sighs> but yeah, this movie, it really is a classic. It's one of those, like I said, it's very much like The Exorcist or The Omen. Things of that nature. I would recommend seeing this if you can put yourself in the position where it doesn't bother you how old movies are like if you can just be like oh well this is shit like if you're like one of those people like oh this is shitty camera work or this is shitty acting or you know stuff like that I wouldn't recommend that you see this like if you have to have the more modern you know effects and this it's not I wouldn't see it but if you can take yourself out of that and like really just admire this for what it is and for what it was at that time I would totally recommend seeing this just for the love of god don't show anyone who's pregnant jeez that would oh gosh that would turn out so horribly um all in all I really do think that the acting was very very good um it is that sort of acting that's uh, stage acting for, you know, that time. Uh, it's definitely not the naturalist, you know, kind of thing. But I get it. it. It was the 60s, you know. But, yeah, that's pretty much it. And on a scale of 1 to 10, I would put Rosemary's Baby at... I would say... I would say... As a movie... I would probably give it a solid, a solid seven, seven and a half. It's definitely one of the more classics, like the more classic horror stories or horror movies. I'm sorry. Um, but I don't think I could push this up to like The Exorcist because it, I don't know. The Exorcist is just one of those, you know, it's timeless. Like, you can watch that shit today and you can still be scared. I know I am. <laughs> I will never watch that shit alone. Um, but Rosemary's Baby is a little bit more tame and it's not too graphic. You really don't see anything, like, bad. Except for, I guess, Terry's suicide. You don't see the suicide, you just see the body afterwards. But, yeah, I... I think that this is a good movie. And I think it would be fun to watch, especially with someone who's a little bit older who knew more, who knows more about that time. Um, but yeah. And that's pretty much it for my first episode of Just a Horror Fan. So yeah, Rosemary's Baby, 1968, directed by Roman Polanski. That definitely did take me for a ride. And I'm... I tried so hard to remember as much as I could because I saw this movie a few days ago. I was originally planning to record the podcast a few days ago, but shit got in the way. Um, I'm going to try to do this as a weekly thing, but I'll be putting, probably putting polls on my Facebook to see what other horror movies that people are interested in, you know, talking about, diving into, dissecting, reviewing, all that fun stuff. But yeah. Yeah, I'm Melissa, and thank you for listening to Just a Horror Fan. Bye!